Hello, I'm Stephen Fry, a trustee of the Royal Academy of Arts and very proud to be so. Welcome to our podcast. It seems to me that for centuries architects have always used drawing as part of the creative process, as a means of communicating. And I guess I've followed that trend or that tradition mainly because I enjoy drawing. And because I'm old and, you know, I'm of a slightly different generation. Although it has to be said that in my practice, Wilkinson Air, we've really tried to be at the forefront of technology. You know, we're very uh, highly computerized and so on. It's just that it seems to me that you can have the two things going. You can have the uh, CGIs um, and the, um, the 3D programs... Um, parametric design but you can also sketch as a means of communicating but also I find the process is a sort of creative one so um, I carry like most architects and I know there are a lot of architects here um, I carry the projects I'm working on around in my head uh, all the time I can't get rid of them you know I'm I quite like to sometimes, but um, but I also carry a sketchbook around with me. And um, when I have a moment, and it might be at home, or it might be in the office, or uh, on a train or a plane, but I can sort of work through some problems uh, or just ideas. And I think that's the great thing about sketchbooks, um, is that you you can carry it around with you and um, you don't have to plug it in. You just need a pencil or a pen and um, you can work through processes in in your mind and I find that a very important part of my architecture, really. And I can go on, but I sort of suspect that Humphrey would like to come in at this point because um, I'd just like to say that I... I also carry a sketchbook around with me when I'm travelling and I like drawing buildings and I give myself about an hour to, uh, to do a, a drawing of a building. And I know Humphrey gives himself an hour to do a portrait. And uh, it seems to me that there's something... It's a, it's a sort of similar process except you don't use a pencil, you use paint. Is that, is that right? Yes, it is, and um, I uh, um, I use I use paint not because I'm old, which I am, <laughs> and not because I've used paint all my life, but because I think it's uh, it just technologically way ahead of computers. I mean, the yes, control absolutely. in a way that the, the idea that one can make a sort of human Much faster response as well, right? it, 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 it's faster. Sorry, uh, we'll get get down. It's just absolutely lovely, Chris, you know, to be able to talk to Chris. Um, uh, We've been like, um, uh, you know, um, wives and girlfriends, not allowed to mix, as it were, during the World Cup because Kate said that we were going to have a conversation so that we've been kept apart. So that's now desperate. And if I go over and sit on his lap and start licking him all over, you'll forgive me. But um, it's a... I'm not sure that I will, actually. (laughs) Love it, really. Um, One of the things about the first room that you walk into of your exhibition is, to me, that is 
drawing. You, uh, I can't remember the title of the show. Is drawing thinking? Thinking through drawing. Thinking through drawing, and the drawings seem to come as deftly and quickly as 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 your thoughts, and it, that it's so direct. And I think that's very important. And I, I suppose if there is a kinship, you mentioned my portraits, you know, which yes. I've really started doing in the last sort of six years because I've, I've come to everything rather late in life and just started getting going and everything and those portraits are probably what I'm meant to be here for. It just took about no, 60 no, years I think to you can talk. It just that it's something we have in common. Yeah. Because you painted me amongst other things. I know a lot of the people you've painted and they, you've captured them in, in an hour. And I think that's something really incredible. Well, it's nice. Uh, sorry, it's, it's not, I didn't mean that actually. It's, no, it's very nice of you to say that. I wasn't. I, 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 what I meant was that when I sit down and, and do those things, I have no idea what I'm doing, and I'm, I, I probably have some inner kind of repertoire of practice or something. But when I'm doing, and I, you remember, I did four of you. Yeah, I did three, one of Diane. One of them one of them was the good one, but you yeah. know, a few of the darts went kind of slightly wide of the, the board. The, the point of what I'm, I'm, I'm saying is that I put it out, I don't think, you know, I don't use that part of the brain or whatever it is to do. And, and your drawings, when you're, you're designing a building, you're, you're thinking... Now, drawing... To me, drawing is a, is a kind of a bridge, anyway. It, it's, it's getting out of what's here so that, first of all, so that you can see it. You can see it. But you, architects are different to painters, by the way. Should I just, just talk through the fact how lovely it is to have architects at the Royal Academy? Because we painters are kind of pathological solitaries. We're really not very good at you know, communicating with people. But Chris has to communicate. When you make a drawing, you then probably have to show it to somebody to say, this is what I th yes, think. Yes, the problem we have is that um, it's very complex. When you're commissioned or you're working on a competition, you have a big brief and an awful lot of information. You can't see the wood from the trees. You have to work through it, and gradually it starts to make some sense. Um, and the bigger the project, the more complicated often. And the way I make sense of it is to sit down with my sketchbook and draw what I know, which is usually not very much to start with, and then gradually ideas come through. So it's a sort of part of the process as far as I'm concerned. But it's not as free as your process, which is a wonderfully free way of, um, of approaching um, something quite formal a portrait is quite a formal thing to do you don't have to measure out the proportions you don't think so much of scale you start at one end of the paper and and carry on to the other end um you know as architects we're used to sort of regimenting things and we have to get proportions right and it's very difficult you know it's difficult to get proportions right we try and with practice. 
to me, proportion and precision is paramount, and wow. geometry. Yeah, and geometry. The exactly. most important thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, I, I was looking in, your, in the cab on the way here, I was just looking through your book, and it fell open at St. Mary Le Strand, and just golden section. Yes. Now, I've used, I did a painting called Lord Volvo and His Estate in 1982, and that is absolutely based on the golden section and it's got a snail spiraling on the top right hand corner and it's got a square and it's got all the things we won't bore you with golden sections but I do think that actually a golden section is a very very lovely thing it's like starting with the right material or the right piece of paper or something it you can actually then you're, you're a few rungs up the ladder. Can I tell the story of that drawing? I because want you to. Uh, this was a drawing uh, at a public inquiry, and occasionally we have to uh, present our work. Um, and we have QCs sort of battling to make us look stupid. Um, and, but the, the advantage we have is that because we're the expert in our field, as long as you hold your own, they can't really attack you. And on this occasion, this is a building in the Strand, and they said, but um, surely this building doesn't fit in with the context. Um, St. Mary Le Strand, uh, quite near. And I said, no, you're not correct there, because the proportions are exactly the same. And I did the drawing for the QC, and um, it was accepted that actually... It's a very different piece of architecture, but the proportions are the same, or very similar. So, and I think what what you're alluding to also is the fact that these proportions of beauty really are set up by nature. I mean, they exist in nature, and we we naturally sort of fall in line with with nature. Hmm. I, I have a, a sort of a, um, a benchmark, which um, is the Parthenon. Yes. And I think, when I look at a work of art, as it were, um, for instance, I've got a lovely thing over my telly at home, which is um, R- Richard Hamilton's Five Tires. And uh, it, it's a, a print. It's a, it's a little sort of series of prints that he did, you know, seven. And... I look at it, and it was made from an advertisement, and it, show, it shows the first 50 years of technology in, in, in the 20th century, um, in, illustrated in tyres. And he worked considerably. He started drawing them in the 60s. You probably know about this. He started drawing them in the 60s and got bored and abandoned them. And then in the early 70s, he was in Germany, and, and, and computers were beginning to be kind of come into... Um, usefulness for, uh, and, and they, somebody said oh I've got a uh, you know saw the drawings and Hamilton said what, he said oh, that, uh, you know, he said I've got a program that will help you draw that see these I mean there were you know he was very very meticulous Hamilton right now I'm also a fan of Haynes manuals you know for, for, which is what you have in your car Ford Capri you know up on the jack and whatever and you go in underneath and you've got your Ford you know and there's a picture of a tyre in that. And it's lovely. I, in fact, there's a whole... In fact, I have got one of a, of, a, of a Ford Capri, and it's got this 
blown, you know, everything in there, um, you can see in the engine, and it's signed, uh, a man called Terry Hands. And I look at that, and I think, why isn't that, why, why, why is the Richard Hamilton, and then I think the Richard Hamilton is nearer the Parthenon. I can't quite explain why, but the thing about the Parthenon is it is the golden section, I think. But for some reason, it, it, you feel well when you're looking at it. Even the bits that drop off it are beautifully proportioned. You know, even the chips and what, what have you. Um, I've had this for years. It was actually nearly knocked off the perch last weekend when I was in the British Museum in the, um, in the Egyptian room. I'm beginning to discover that, but don't let's get started on the Egyptian room. We'll, we'll be here all night. So it's a building. What I'm trying to say is that, you know, is that did you not find that curious that I have a building as a measure? I don't say oh, you know, Bathsheba, Rembrandt. Well, I think Path. it's wonderful. I'm very glad. I mean, my work depends on people wanting buildings, so uh, that sounds good to me. <laughs> This is, look, okay, here, here, uh, th- th- that's a really interesting point. We're all sitting in here, and we're sitting on chairs, and is, I, I don't know if you've ever read re- the, 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 the joke about the fish, the big fish coming, David Foster Wallace used it as at the beginning of a, of a, of a, a talk to a university, the big fish comes on, two little fish come on, and the big fish says to the little fish, you know, how's the water today, and the little fish look at each other and they, they swim on a few you know, and the little fish then say to each other what the hell's water now we are in a room and we don't even we don't notice it we don't think about it you know we're, we're sitting on design and we're thank god an architect or and a builder has made a flat floor, and vertical walls. And this is, to, to me, the... the, the um, I mean, I'm sort of... I'm a lover of Constable, um, but I'm discovering this chap called Turner, partly from being the professor of perspective. And he really, you know, went up into the air and went up into the clouds and painted the moisture and painted that atmosphere... One of the things that I think drawing has to conform to is what you have to conform to is... Um, God, I feel like Jim Nocte. This is a question, but it's going to take about half an hour. Is that, is that a cloud has, sits on a thermal, rather like we're sitting on a chair on a, on, a, on, a, on a bit that's held up by walls and what have you. And so it has a relationship to... True, and it's fighting, it's fighting gravity, it's not dead, it's shifting along, and it has this speed and what have you. And your drawings, I'm getting to, the, getting to my point, Chris, your drawings, and I pointed out the Mary Rose Museum, to me they're like, they're like cars. Your buildings are like cars, compared to this building. In this building, the cars weren't invented. And this room is a very special room. I reckon it's a double cube right. in proportion terms, but it's more importantly where uh, Darwin launched the origin of species. 
And I find that the, the added dimension, the fourth dimension, which is time, um, comes into it. And it seems to me that buildings and spaces have history, and I think that's part of the architecture in a way. Although it's not something you can design for, it happens later on. But I'm talking rubbish, really, aren't I? But, uh, I mean, you know what I mean. It, it does have... There is a relevance to time. Yes, and but time and... Time compressed and speed. And, I, you know, I think our concept now of time is extreme section. It's got a snail spiralling on the top right-hand corner. It's got a square. And it's got all the things. We won't bore you with golden sections. But I do think that actually a golden section is a very, very lovely thing. It's like starting... Um, it's like starting with the right material or the yeah. right piece of paper or something. It, you, you, know, you can actually then... You're, you're a few rungs up the ladder. Can I tell the story of that drawing? I because uh, this was a drawing uh, at a public inquiry and occasionally we have to... Uh, present our work Um, and we have QCs sort of battling to make us look stupid Um, but the the advantage we have is that because we're the expert in our field, as long as you hold your own, they can't really attack you and on this occasion, this is a building in the Strand and they said but um, surely this building doesn't fit in with the context, um, St Mary Le Strand, uh, quite near. And I said, no, you're not correct there because the proportions are exactly the same. And I did the drawing for the QC and, um, and it was accepted that actually it's a very different piece of architecture. But the proportions are the same, or very similar. Very so... And I think what, it, what you're alluding to also is the fact that these proportions of beauty really are set up by nature. I mean, they exist in nature and we, we naturally sort of fall in line with, with nature. Mm. I, I have a, a sort of a, um, a benchmark which... Um, uh, is the Parthenon. Yes. And I think, when I look at a work of art, as it were, um, for instance, I've got a lovely thing over my telly at home, which is um, R- Richard Hamilton's Five Tires. And uh, it, it's a, a print. It's a, it's a little sort of series of prints that he did, you know, seven. And I look at it, and it was made from an advertisement and it, show, it shows the first 50 years of technology in, in, in the 20th century, um, in, illustrated in tyres. And he, he worked considerably. He started drawing them in the 60s. You probably know about this. He started drawing them in the 60s and got bored and abandoned them. And then in the early 70s, he was in Germany and, and, and computers were beginning to be kind of come into um, usefulness for... Uh, and and they, somebody said, oh, I've got a, uh, you know, saw the drawings. And Hamilton said, what? He said, oh, that, uh, you know. he said, I've got a program that will help you 
draw that, see these. I mean, there were, you know, he was very, very meticulous, Hamilton. Right. Now, I'm also a fan of Haynes' manuals, you know, for, which is what you have in your Ford Capri, you know, up on the jack and whatever, and you go in underneath and you've got your Ford, you know. And there's a picture of a tyre in that. And it's lovely. In fact, there's a whole... In fact, I have got one of a, of a, of a Ford Capri, and it's got this blown... You know, everything in there, um, you can see in the engine, and it's signed. Uh, a man called Terry Hands. And I look at that, and I think, why isn't that... Why... Why... Why is the Richard Ham... And then I think the Richard Hamilton is nearer the Parthenon. I can't quite explain why, but the thing about the Parthenon is it is the golden section, I think. But for some reason, it, it, you feel well when you're looking at it. Even the bits that drop off it are beautifully proportioned. You know, even the chips and what, what have you. Um, I've had this for years. It was actually nearly knocked off the perch last weekend when I was in the British Museum in the, um, in the Egyptian Room. I'm beginning to discover that, but don't let's get started on the Egyptian room. We'll, we'll be here all night. So it's a building. What I'm trying to say is that, you know, is that did you not find that curious that I have a, have a building as a measure? I don't want to say, oh, you know, Bathsheba, Rembrandt. Huh? Right, I think Parthen. it's wonderful. I'm very glad. I mean, we. <laughs> My work depends on people wanting buildings, so um, that sounds good to me. <laughs> well, this is, look, okay, here, here, uh, th- th- that's a really interesting point. We're all sitting in here, and we're sitting on chairs, and is, I, I don't know if you've ever read the, 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 the joke about the fish, the big fish coming, David Foster Wallace used it as at the beginning of a, of a, of a, a talk to a university, Big fish comes on, two little fish come on. And the big fish says to the little fish, you know, how's the water today? And the little fish look at each other and they, they swim on a few, you know, And the little fish then say to each other, what the hell's water? Now, we are in a room and we don't even, we don't notice it. We don't think about it. You know, we're, we're sitting on design and we're, Thank God an architect or, and a builder has made a flat floor and vertical walls. And this is, to, to me, the... the, the um, I mean, I'm sort of... I'm a lover of Constable, um, but I'm discovering this chap called Turner, partly from being the professor of perspective. And he really... You know, went up into the air and went up into the clouds and painted the moisture and painted that atmosphere. And you see, one of the things that I think drawing has to conform to is what you have to conform to. Is um, God? I feel like Jim Nocte. This is a question, but it's going to take about half an hour. Is that? Is that a cloud sits on a thermal, rather like we're sitting on a chair on a, 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 a bit that's held up by walls and what have you. And so it has a relationship to true and it's fighting, it's fighting gravity, it's not dead, it's shifting along and it has this 
speed and what have you. And your drawings, I'm getting to, the, getting to my point, Chris. Your drawings, and I pointed out the Mary Rose Museum. To me, they're like, they're like cars. Your buildings are like cars. Compared to this building. In this building, the cars weren't invented. And this room is a very special room. Um, it's a, I reckon it's a double cube right. in proportion terms, but it's more importantly where uh, Darwin launched the origin of species. And I find that the, the added dimension, the fourth dimension, which is time, um, comes into it. And it seems to me that buildings and spaces have history and I think that's part of the architecture in a way although it's not something you can design for it happens later on but I'm talking rubbish really aren't I but uh, I mean you know what I mean it, it does have, there is a relevance to time yes and but time and Time compressed and speed. And, I, you know, I think our concept now of time is extremely different. I mean, I wasn't alive 150 years ago, but I think that they had just a very different idea. Um, I'm showing something at the moment near um, uh, in, in the Design Museum, uh, part of Margaret Calvert's... Uh, Margaret Calvert, who, as you, I'm sure you all know, designed the great road signs, which I think are the... Well, they're, they're the wonderful public drawings in England. And they're designed, she did them with Jock Kinnear, who did the big blue motorway signs, and all, he did all the typography designs. She did the pictorials. And when they got together, they said, this is, this is, these have got to be, first of all, they're thinking of art, or you know, making something, drawing, they think, this has got to be read at 60 miles an hour. Hmm. Now, you know, Rembrandt didn't have 60 miles an hour and Gainsborough didn't and that sort of thing. And, you know, we see... Didn't he? Um, with the uh, speed. Nearer. Mm, yeah. A little bit, yeah, a little bit nearer. And he went up... But, he, you know, he was, he, yeah, he was kind of in awe of, you know, the, the rain, steam and uh, 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 speed pitch. He was... Um, Sorry. But, the, but, no, I, is, I think the effect on... Us all, something that hasn't been talked about, doesn't it? And nobody really talks about it, is the car. I mean, my, my, my life has been seen through a windscreen. You know, it's 64 years of looking through things zooming or sound and what have you. And I, I think that architecture is affected by that. Absolutely. Because you spend so much time, suddenly, actually, you're in a cloud moving along, scudding along, rather than sitting still like you might have done 150 years ago and come up with a room like this. What, what do you think? Because it, it, it shows in your drawings, is what I'm trying to say, Chris. Um, I don't know how to answer that, but um, I can say that the Mary Rose project was a very slow project. It's taken 10 years. It's not quite finished yet. Uh, we're moving into the last phase um, soon. And uh, so it'll be finished in the spring of next year. But um, 
The first drawings I did were in 2004 or 2005, the competition stage. And um, I'm very pleased that I, I did most of the drawings in a sketchbook because uh, they act as a good record, a reference for what I'm doing. And, and when people are wanting to change things, I can sort of look back at the originals, the early thoughts and sketches. And it takes my mind back to that moment in time. And so I find, for all sorts of reasons, I think sketchbooks are very useful for architects. And I'm, one of the reasons for having um, the exhibition was to sort of promote the idea of architects still carrying sketchbooks and um, making notes and drawings so that um, in, they can still do this along with their computer work. And I think it's very valid. You've said a couple of things, one about stillness and also about time. And I was thinking, Chris, to the room we've got here, which isn't the sketchbooks, it's actually got your lovely drawings of Italy, if you haven't had the chance to see it, Chris does beautiful drawings. And it, it feels like at a very different time. You know, you give yourself... It's often done on holiday in a more relaxed space. It's about observation. The buildings you're capturing are older buildings, essentially, aren't they, in Lucca, um, which have stood a couple of hundred years. And I just wonder how that... Two things there. You know, we were reflecting on time how you're sitting observing buildings of a very different time from this time, but are also occupied and very, you know, they're as relevant and alive as they were when they were built, potentially. And also that idea of stillness and what drawing brings to a sense of stillness and you're thinking about architecture. Well, I love historic buildings, but I don't want to build historic buildings. I'm happy to work on them. Um, but I think that architecture is... Well, I know that architecture is constantly changing. It never stays still. So um, um, architecture changes with technology. And this is a fact. You know, I mean, you only have to look back and you can see when cast iron was invented, the architecture changed. When steel came in, it changed, concrete and so on. And it's constantly up itself but it's still great to look back I mean there's no reason why one shouldn't look back but um, as an architect I'm interested in the present and uh, I work in the present and I like exploring um, new materials and new techniques anything that's um, relevant really because I think that's important that the architecture is representative of today. I think I was using the word still as well in count against what Humphrey was saying but against in the car. You know, you give yourself an hour. And I maybe coming back to this question, why do you both where did the hour come from? It's a sort of to do with the amount of concentration and um, also if you're sitting in or standing in a street drawing it's very uncomfortable actually and people come up and um, sort of jostle you and uh, you know you, you want to get out but you've got to capture it somehow and, and get out of there that's why I limit my time and when I went on the trip up the Nile and uh, there's uh, 
sketchbook on the Nile. Um, we only we get off the boat and we had about probably an hour and ten minutes, and I could only devote an hour to sketching in that time. So that was very much related to the guide and uh, the amount of time they gave me. Oh, I um, I used to take uh, an awfully long time over portraits and um, I gradually found I mean, there, you know, when I started to, oh, not there's a wrong image um, uh, the I'd been, I'd been making these what I call kind of splodges before I do a long-winded thing. And I'd, I'd put the colour down as it was, boom. And then, and then the person would come and I'd start sitting and I'd have this blob. And very, very quickly that blob became my map for the, you know, for the slow pictures. Now, rather like you, you know, being uncomfortable on the Nile, people who came and sat for me didn't want to sit. So I could, and also then I thought, well, you know, I want to paint that person, but I don't want to, you know, I don't know what my opening line's going to be. You know, would you like to give up work for two weeks and come and sit in my studio? And, and it, it did take me about 58 years to realise that these little, you know, the blobs, what I was doing, that weren't, weren't kind of, were better than the ones that took me took me an awful long time and I had this I mean when I was doing uh, when I painted things like Lord Volvo and this was 30 years ago I kind of wanted to be slightly I suddenly didn't want to do portraits I never wanted to do portraits I never thought about that didn't think about that it really interests me I did want to uh, I kind of felt slightly like Pasolini you know I wanted I wanted to gather I'd say oh I'd like to have you for my film or I'd like to have you and, and, you know, and then somehow to bring the people in. But I wanted to make paintings of them. And well, it's in a very enjoyable experience, I can say, because it starts with a glass of wine and a um, with sandwich me? or something like that. And then um, before you know it, you're sitting down and it's all finished. It's all over. It's very good. Oh, I and, love um, the sound of the glass of wine. Nobody offers me wine. I thought you did offer me a glass of wine. Did, did I? And I know that um, I was comparing notes with Nick Grimshaw. He um, he came down. I did in, give him wine. He came yeah. down in a taxi, and he kept the taxi waiting until you'd finished, so that he could get, <laughs> he could get back because he had an important meeting. So he literally only had an hour, I think. Yeah. I actually got him there almost under false pretenses. First of all, I fed him like a foie gras goose. You know, I put, lot, I put wine into him and then, you know, nice salad and cheese and that sort of thing. And then as a sort of aside at the end, I said, would you mind sitting there? And if I'd known about the taxi. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah, um, do, I mean, I, what, one of the things you said earlier that I just want to pick up on was that you said draw, you know, you, well, um, most interestingly, you say, you're adapting, you're now, uh, you're building, say, to me, I am Chris Wilkinson, I'm alive now, this is what I think. 
And that is just about, to me, that is the most important thing that any of us can do and sort of externalize, you know, make something to show, you know, this is, yeah, this is what I think. But I, I do think that, I think that drawing adapts, you know, just as fast as architecture. Yeah. There was a fantastic fuss here about four or five years ago when Tracy Emin was made Aranda Professor of Drawing. And everyone said, but, 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 but she, she can't. And what they meant was she can't draw like Michelangelo. She can't draw like Graham Sullivan. You know, whatever it is. People compare. All artists draw. You know, and they may not draw with a pen or with a pencil or whatever, but I think this is, I know this is kind of a big subject, but I think that drawing is is to do with proportion and orchestration and, you know, when to bring the symbols together and when to have a little ting on a triangle and what have you. And the fact is, I mean, look, I, there's another fascinating bit in, in, in Chris's book. He's got a photograph of his tools of his trade, which are a Pentel 0.9 and a Yes. 0.4. Most architects use these. Do they? Mm. Well, they used to use these, which is what I use, which are rotrings. Although they're not, they're actually Statler now. I have to ring up Statler every year, and I say, because you know artists are terrified that the factory is going to close down. And I say, Do, are you still? In the, yes, Mr. Ocean, we are still making Statler Marsmatic and what have you. This is what no self-respecting architect has been seen with one of these. Oh no, I think what? quite a lot of people still do they like yeah. Well, no, but in a way, you see, the traditional architect's drawing with a set square and T square which is where I started, Dennis Laston, um, that's all gone. Uh, and I'm very happy that it's gone because it was, it was painful, really, you know, measuring it all out with the scale and, and then you get a sort of blot and you've got to try and scrape the ink away. It was very difficult in the middle of the night, you know, the pens would cake up, rotring pens... Um, and it was, you know, so you meant you had another three hours to until you could finish the drawing. Now we don't have any of that, and that's good. So have you found that's freed you? You know, now you're, you're, the act of drawing for you has become something which isn't associated with doing yes. measured drawings. It's much Definitely. more to the sketch, and then Definitely. Um, because it's much more immediate. You see, it's about. Um, it's about just putting something on paper and getting it down quickly, probably, but more especially getting the sort of feeling of it down on paper. I mean, with a, a T-square and a rotating pen, there's not a lot of feeling involved, um, although some people were masters of it. Uh, but it was a lengthy process. And when did you start to bring in watercolours, which are, you know, in the latter sketchbooks are very, very prevalent and really capture mm. the atmosphere. When did they come in and why and how? Well, um, I 
just discovered that watercolour is a marvellous material and um, you, you don't have to put so many lines because um, a splash of colour um, covers a larger area and it, it, it's more effective than lines and shading. And uh, the other aspect I like about it, I mean, I just do a sort of wash, which is a traditional um, architectural thing where you, it's very thin and it's watery. And it's very difficult to control and because I'm trained uh, to be very precise and formal, um, I can't control the watercolour wash, so it, it actually frees me up a bit, not as much as Humphrey, but a little bit. And I find that quite exciting because suddenly you get these sort of blobs and um, you think, well, I don't really want that blob there, but there's nothing you can do about it, so you have to work around it. And in a way, it's it's very healthy, because I think we're all a bit too... Um, architects and designers are too sort of set in their ways and uh, very formal, and um, it's quite good to relax a bit. I think of drawing as... Uh, you mentioned watercolour, which is, of course, is the greatest, it's the most difficult thing to do because mm. you're working with light and light coming through you're not working opaque and you can't go over it no. so the light shines which is how colour actually works you know we can see each other because somebody's put the lights on, you know, if they turn the lights off we'd take a bit of time, we could probably still see each other but it would utterly change the room and watercolour works in that way I would suggest, Chris, that when your watercolour blob lands in absolutely the wrong place, that there is... Now, to me, that, you see, that is drawing, because I think of painting as drawing in colour. And if there's anybody in this room who knows of a painting that isn't drawing, I will give them a Mars bar. Now, for instance, you might take, take someone like, for instance, uh, you know, there's an idea that drawing applies to a certain kind of art. You know, I, I, I don't subscribe to that at all. For instance, Ellsworth Kelly. Yes. Ellsworth Kelly makes, you know, these beautiful, you know, you all, you all know Ellsworth Kelly, sh- shapes of colour. And he will sit in front of a picture for sometimes days and say he's got a like a white cam and a, and a, and a, a blue shape with a curve over the top and it's like a, like a slice of cake as it were if that curve is wrong or if it's too low or too high he says he begins to feel ill and so he moves the curve up a bit until he gets it right. Now, you know, we're talking about a journey without maps here. You know, he's not designing a building that's either going to fall down or stay up. But for him, that building is falling down. No, I can understand that because it's, his, it's a response to he, what he's seeing. So he has, it has to be right as far as he sees it. And I think you would be the same, and I would be the same, in that um, 
It's irritating when your hand doesn't actually put the line where you want it to be, and you either have to accept it or you start again, I suppose. I think you start again. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that's what keeps you going. Is because, yeah, yeah, I, I, I do. I just think that yes, that that that. I mean, it may, may sound confusing this because the idea that drawing can be anything and that each new person comes along and draws in a different way means that anything goes, and we all know that anything doesn't go. And sometimes you look at something and say. Well, that person can't draw. And to me, the only way of explaining that is it's a little bit like not getting a fresh lettuce in your salad. If the, yes. the salad is, if the lettuce is after its sell-by date and it's gone you s- soggy. You can see the mistakes, can't you? I mean, it's it, so obvious on the page. It's what you're describing, Humphrey, when the drawing doesn't have the feeling... Because it's something that you seem to suggest a little bit that it, it comes from somewhere. Now, Elizabeth Kelly knew it didn't, that line wasn't quite right. And maybe that it's not that it's, it's just been divorced from something which is the feeling. You know, when the mind takes over at a different level or it becomes more. Uh, well, if, it's, rather, if you, it's part of the process. She's right. You, you are right. But it's part of the process. You're exploring where the line might go. And the first time you draw it might not be right, so you have to keep on until it is right. Until the feeling... Until you feel that it's right. I think the petals of the Sydney project are really... I mean, it's, it's really beautiful. You've got the curve of that space, of that... I don't know if it, it does come up here, but you've got the sculptural form of that building so well. You can see that the line's gone over until, until the feeling is right, until it's got that beautifully sculpted sense... But I think, you know, the drawings really convey what the building is about. They mm. get the form just right. They, they balance that thing about proportion, about mm. a sense of nature. Um, but I couldn't have done the, uh, that project five or ten years ago. Um, it just... Um, it'll come up, but yeah. it's... Um, it was... I was trying to do a, uh, an inhabited sculpture and... Um, I had something in my mind, and I was—I had to work to try and get it to, to, to make it come out in the right way. I think the office gave you a printout, didn't they? A computer-generated printout, and you took that home and had to get get the pencil, the things to sort of work physically on it, rather than the. the no, to start or... with, it, it was. I worked on it over Christmas, and I didn't have anything. I was just working on the idea that how could one create this sort of sculpture. And it, it came from a, a, a scheme, a design I'd done for a, um, the, a sculpture on the borders of England and Scotland. It was a Charles Jenks competition to mark this important division at Gretna. And um, I, I had, I was working with. Diana, my wife on this end, and my son Dominic, and we were working on the idea of three petals that twisted. And um, it just came to me that you could actually make a building out of it if you filled in the spaces between the petals. And um, 
So that's what, where the idea came from. And it's a large building, you know, 275 metres high. Um, but it is, it, it comes from a sculpture. But, it come, but you didn't explore it. Is it. What I find beautiful about it is your ability to, through a drawing, articulate a sculptural form, where a lot of architects would move quite, have a sense of what that sculptural form would be and might try and create a model. You know, they might try and sculpt it. But you have a very sophisticated, or my reading of it, a very sophisticated ability to capture a sculptural form in a drawing and to discover or to uncover potentially a sculptural form in a, in a, through a drawing. Well, it's nice of you to say. Um, but we do, we go into, you know, we have a model shop yep. and we, a, um, we work in, in 3D. We have mm. five model makers and they... Uh, but you have to explain what you want. You know, I mean, you can't just say, I want something. Yeah. You, you have to... And the drawing is one of the ways of explaining what you want. And they're wonderful. Uh, and it's amazing how uh, you can explore form quite quickly through drawing and model making together. Yeah, it's showing. That, that sort of, it gets it out of here. I mean, one of the great things we, we all do is we have ideas in our mind and they're so clear... Uh, concepts, precepts, whatever they are, you know, that you cannot imagine that everybody else hasn't, isn't thinking on exactly the same lines. But sometimes you have to get it out and, you know, to make your pathos. Can I, uh, just listening to this, uh, uh, your exhibition, the lovely exhibition, is sort of like a game of two halves. And you've got, on the one hand, you've got these drawings where you're, explaining what you're thinking, which is in the first room. Yes. Which you're getting it out. And this is what... And the second... It, which is response. To me, that is you are responding, and that's what informs the line. Whereas in the second room, where you're drawing buildings in Lucca and Italy and England and what have you, you're drawing things... Of things, those seem to be research. Am I right? I'm sure they're pleasure as well, but they're research and hobby. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm at my weakest. On I, I can't justify the uh, drawing what I see because I'm not an artist. Um, but I draw them as I see them as an architect. So you know, they're a bit sort of basic in a way, but. Um, I've been doing it for a long time, and I, um, it's a pleasure, really. I mean, I, it's, I try not to take photographs when I travel, and I try to draw rather than take photographs. And I get more pleasure from looking at a sketch than I do a photograph. But it's a lot of effort, you know. I mean, it is, as you know, I mean, you just stand and draw the Parthenon or... You can immediately see where it's not quite right and all the rest of it, but you just have to keep doing it, I suppose. Yeah. Windows are the killer in when you're drawing a building or what well, have you. I think it's probably easier for you than it is for me because I would have to have the right number of windows in the building. Um, this, this well, and you've got the right number. I'm I, not saying you haven't, but yeah, I'm no, just saying... No, that's got the right number. Yeah. Now, I've just explained that there is a sort of a crossover. I am 
number one, not an architect. Number two, I'm not interested in buildings in the way, in, perhaps in quite the yes, same no, way I as you are. But I'm... Can, 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 can no, we hold got this the atmosphere for a moment? Of, Just you've for a got bit. the atmosphere of that building. I think we all know... We've all seen buildings like that. Well, it's, I tell you what, it's in a street of the most beautiful early Victorian houses. And what happened was a stick bomb arrived and, in the war and blew out the city. And so that was built round about the time when I was built. And it may not be the most beautiful building in London, but it's, um, it, 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 it's, I understand it. I mean, I understand... No, I, I can see that. Can you? Yeah? And I think you've captured it absolutely. But I got... The reason I paint it at, at night is because, actually, I found it very beautiful. It's about three studios ago, and I was coming underneath a big block of flats, and I'd come up, and it was at night, because I had to park, because I couldn't park near the studios. I had to park over here. Come up, and there was this thing, and I thought... God, that's really beautiful. Just my sort of Albers-ish sense of proportion mm. and whatever. Everything was right. And, of course, it's the light. Come back in the morning, it's the ugliest building in the world. And, you know, it looks like you think, oh, God, that's stupid. And you come out the next evening. Anyway, six months later, I think, oh, it is beautiful. I've got to do something about it. So I do something, I, I, I do, do something about it. But what I'm interested in, the other thing about that building is that it got planning permission. Yes. And then I think of the town planning office, and it's, you know, it's all during the week, and they say, can we do it now? Go away. And then at Friday lunchtime, they all think, oh, I'd love to get, I can get down to Cornwall. Oh, go on, build it. Yeah, yeah. And off they go. And, what and I, you know, and, and so there's something about, uh, you know, I, I do look at buildings, and I wonder sometimes how they've arrived. I totally understand I mean, that. Like but... Looking at the drawing, I can see why you're professor of perspective. Because <laughs> you've got it right. Um, it's actually quite difficult to get the perspective right on something... I love listening to this form, stuff. ...sloping form that's going away from you. And probably an architect might have drawn it more like an elevation because it, you wouldn't have to worry about it, but you've tackled it straight on uh, in perspective. And you got it right. Yes, thank you. <laughs> no, but it, it's very interesting, and I think... Um, no, it's no guns. More than, <laughs> but more than that, you've captured the atmosphere of it without, many, without any lines, actually, just some paint. Well, I'm not going to protest. I'm going to just lie here and lie back and think of England. But actually, the, there are quite a lot of lines around... Thing. Everything has a line round it, from a oh. princess to a puddle. Okay, Chris. It, you haven't expressed the lines, then. It's, I think it's. I think it's great. I Thank like you. it. And I think it's a difference between an artist tackling a building and an architect tackling it. It's very different. I had one question, which I think probably for both of you that came up here, and it's something that you were alluding to, and it strikes me, Chris, that you seem to draw in three ways. There's um, the sense of observation and then there's drawing from your imagination when, you're, when a building is formulating in your head and then also that of perhaps memory because I know sometimes you go to a site and then you sometimes will draw it after. And I wonder what the relationship is between 
those three, three things, how they feed one another. Um, and you've got the same question. Well, the time is the, the fourth thing, you know, because it depends where you are on what, how much time you've got and um, what you're trying to achieve. A lot of my sketches in the sketchbooks are done in the sort of uh, time which I would allocate it to anything else. So, you know, I'm on an... I particularly quite enjoy working on aeroplanes because I'm on aeroplanes a lot. And I've found that I can draw and paint, actually, on an aeroplane. And... um, it's a terrific way, you know, because going to Australia is sort of 23 hours on the plane. You can't sleep for 23 hours. And to find something that's enjoyable, other than watching movies and drinking, um, it's very useful to be able to draw. And, uh, you know, people don't mind somehow. How does it- so this sense of, you know, this room here has a lot of, you know, the second room has a lot of works where you're observing architecture. How does that feed your imagination and then your memory and imagination and come back into your work, which I think is something you were talking about? That would be very difficult to say, but architects, um, it's a collaborative process, so, you know, one isn't just working on one's own. Having to you're working with quite a big team and you have to discuss everything you do. I mean, you don't have to, but we do. We work together. So when you say, I saw this amazing building in Rome which had this particular material or this proportion, um, and if you have it in your sketchbook, you can explain what you were thinking about, then people can... That gives you uh, the basis of um, a discussion, a, a design discussion. And this works a lot. I mean, I, I've been, I think, in three design discussions today in the office in different projects. And, you know, it's, it's a part of sort of getting together and working on things, but explaining what you're thinking and they say what they're thinking. And, you know, it's part of the creative process. Humphrey, I've got the same question for you in some ways. The, that sense of observation, memory, imagination. Probably come... They're not as separate. In, in Chris's work, we see it much more in terms of, say... The, the observation drawings of Luca, they're, they're quite, their observation, but they're bringing in, they're, more, they're clearly observation, where it strikes me in some of your work, and how you described, say, the, the drawing the, the house, that is, you're observing, but you're also, there's imagination and memory all at once coming out. Is that right, rather than being separate? I kind of don't know which comes first, really. I mean, you know, all that... Mm-hmm guff about the town planning and everything was something that I um, was thinking about or have thought about over years as it were of of making uh, paintings of, of, of buildings and it kind of feeds the interest and then I go back and I make another picture I, I kind of noticed one of the first buildings I painted was of a, a block of flats that's on a, built on the site of Honor Oak Station behind 
my house, an old Honoroke station that used to carry Pizarro as the next station down from Lordship Lane, station which is the painting of which is in the courthold by Pizarro, not me. That is, it's, well, it's a 50s building, and you can see what's happening in there. Some people have bought their properties, and they've, they've, they've put in different windows, and what have you. And I had, the, it, it reminded me, I had this fascinating conversation. Somebody who lived next to my sister, um, uh, he was an architect, well, he died only a few years ago, but he was in the late 80s. And he designed a building in, in um, Highgate, a house. Martin, oh God, I can't remember. This is awful. Um, anyway, I, I found his building in Pevsner. And so the next time I saw him, he used to have open garden. I said, Martin, must be very proud of it. How lovely to have a house in Pevsner, for Christ's sake. He said... Oh, it's not my house anymore. You know, they've changed the curtains, they've moved the stick. And I suddenly thought, oh, God, you know, this is like somebody coming in and putting a figure into one of my landscapes or what have you. I mean, you know, it, you're, you're prey to... I mean, I think that your buildings are probably... You've kind of dealt with that. You've slightly reinforced. I mean, they are a statement. But, in, in, you know, domestic architecture is fantastically... Vulnerable, and as I say, this, 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 um, you know, it, that that's one of the things that interests me, uh, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, about buildings. The other thing is that you mentioned teamwork. You know, I've tried collaborations throughout my life, and in fact, I was warned off it about 15 years ago. I got a friend, friend of mine, wrote me an email and said, "It is time to cease your <laughs> collaborations." When you show me your own stuff, you beam and smile. When you show me your, the work you're doing with other people, you become taciturn and dark. And I did realise at that point is that, you know, what I am here for is, um, you know, the Beach Boys song in my room. You know, you close the door and I'm allowed to think weird thoughts and there isn't, I don't have to tell anybody else, you know, or sort of justify them. I do quite a lot of justifying myself. You know, I'll, I'll get, you know, just because I, I feel ill or I get bored or what have you, or it doesn't work. And, what, and so there are things that don't. And I kind of would love a bit of help. You know, I'd love a manager to do that. But in the end, you know, I am forced in back upon myself. And sorry, I'm bringing it back to Chris. I do think that, in a way, the difference, you know, of the two rooms of the drawings, the drawings when you are not thinking about art and when you're making, you know, this thing that is like this, that is utterly Chris Wilkinson, that could not have been made by Palladio, although he might come along and say, I like the, you know, I like it. They, they couldn't have done it in there, is absolutely you. And that, that's where your drawing is, you know, it has that, it's potent. At immediacy, straight, you know, boom, lovely. Thank you for listening. For more information about the Royal Academy, please visit www.royalacademy.org.uk.